Besides our annual celebration of stand-up, did you know that Comedy Day... Dolphins come in, everybody. You are listening to the AltaCast here on MutinyRadio.fm. I'm your host, Pam Benjamin, and I am waiting for... Oh, she's walking in the door this very second. Latoya, the Sheriff of Truth, here looking like she's from the Army. This is awesome. You are... She's got her stripes on today. Stars and stripes. Latoya, the Sheriff of Truth, is all about America today. This is really exciting. I'm actually super excited for this show today because we have a phone call coming in from Boonville. That is a real place up north. Uh, Jesse Wakeman, who is the producer, writer, and star of Donald Cried. He doesn't play the character Donald. He plays Peter Latang, like the first guy that you see uh, when you watch the movie. I get to interview him today. Yay! He's going to call up. I get to meet him in person on uh, last Saturday. And that was awesome. So it was kind of like I got a dry run of the things. And I was like getting all my fangirl stuff out there. I'm like, like, you are such a good actor. You are such a good actor. Oh my God, that one part. I feel like, I feel like, um, uh, Chris Farley where he's like remember that remember that time you were in that movie Donald Cried and it was on Netflix you remember that time you remember that time that was awesome that was awesome how did, was you, so awesome. How did you get to meet him so he's a Wakeman so um, Katie Shewilt's Wakeman and uh, Emily Wakeman who used to be our Alta person remember right. Emily yes um, we worked together with Alta and she's uh, getting her electrician thing now but they're cousins oh and so even before I so I'm on the back patio one day, and the Wakemans are like, our cousin just put out a movie, and it's on Netflix. And I'm like, really? What's it called? And they're like, Donald cried. And I was like, that's so funny, because I already had downloaded it. <laughs> I looked at it, and I was like, I want to watch this movie. I didn't even know that he was a Wakeman, and I still wanted to see the movie. So I'm, And so I had it, and I was like, whoa! And then I watched it, and I loved it. And then I asked them, I'm like, can I meet him? And they're like, well, he's coming down next month. And so they set up a meeting, and... He's down here to visit his family from New York, and nice. um, yeah. So, but it was great. I got to meet him on the back patio and be like a fangirl and uh, talk all about the movie. There's probably I'm gonna totally do spoiler alert. So if you guys haven't seen <laughs> Donald Cride yet, I don't want to like fuck it up for you. I'll it's try a good not movie. to. It really is. Yeah. Did, so you saw? I've it? seen it twice. Oh my god! I've that's seen so it twice. Great. Like I, oh. it, it's a really good movie. I like just the characters. Yeah. yeah. Are, they kind of remind me of home. Absolutely. It totally, and it's like I know those people. Right. And just like, um, I don't know. It, it's a. I, I've seen it twice. So, uh oh, my microphone's not there. High you enough go. On there my you mouth. go. There you go. That's amazing. I'm so glad. So we're gonna get into this. Amazing. He's gonna call when we see the flashy flashes. It's exciting because we know that it's Jesse Wakeman. We get all our fangirl stuff out. Yeah, I'll be like, oh my god, you're such a good actor. He is though. He really is a good actor. Like. They're, all that movie is is acting. Yeah. Like even the the, the scenery is a character. Right. Absolutely. The, the scene, snow. The snow is and a the character. darkness yes. when there's darkness and the, absolutely it's so good. It's such a good movie. <laughs> We're gonna be like, remember when you did that thing with the snow? <laughs> remember when you played? Remember when you played football? Were you really playing football? <laughs> was that really you? It was. It must have been. He had snow on his. I mean. <laughs> 
Boys, boys, boys. Uh, it is. If you haven't seen the movie, you should really watch it. Yeah. It's under the independent section. Well, it's in a bunch of sections now on oh, it Netflix. Is. It's in comedy. It's in drama. It's in independent. It was in trending now forever. I think it still is. Uh, it was under new releases because it's yeah, been a new release, new release on Netflix at least. It was made in 2016, but... So now it's on Netflix. So we're going to get to that when he calls at 1230. I'm very excited about it. But let's get to our, let's get our news out of the way. We only have a little bit of Drug Policy Alliance news and a little bit of abortion news here on the AltaCast just to keep it the way we always do. Uh, So the first thing from Drug Policy Alliance, uh, you can go to their website at drugpolicy.org and donate because they're trying to change the way we think about drugs in America. I know, right? Uh, I know, and alcohol's a drug. It's well, yes, it's just it so is. funny to me that it's the it, the one regulated drug is like it's so dangerous, the da- most dangerous, and, and it pays my bills. Yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> a September 25th free conference in Los Angeles will explore effective responses to crack cocaine and methamphetamine use. More than a hundred researchers, service providers, those with lived experience, and other experts will gather to discuss evidence-based strategies to address stimulant use. All right. I mean, we've been giving so much attention to opiates. It's like, oh, remember when there were other drugs that were killing people? Crack and meth. Right, sure. Los Angeles. While opioids have understandably received a lot of attention recently, stimulant drugs, including powder, cocaine, crack, methamphetamine, and Adderall, are often overlooked. In fact, nationally, more people use stimulants than use heroin. While many people use stimulants without problems, excessive stimulant use can put people at risk for a number of health issues, including heart issues, psychological distress, and blood-borne diseases. Despite these risks, not much is known about the best ways to reduce the harms associated with stimulant use and to treat those with problematic use. On Monday, September 25th, over 100 researchers, service providers, students, and policy advocates will come together at a free one-day conference in Los Angeles entitled Stimulant Use, Harm Reduction, Treatment, and Future Directions. It's time to take a fresh look at the research and innovative practices for stimulant use so we can better understand why people use these drugs and help reduce the harms associated with their use, said Jules Netherland, PhD, Director of the Office of Academic Engagement at the Drug Policy Alliance and one of the event organizers. By bringing together such a wide array of experts, this conference promises to generate important solutions to problematic stimulant use. The conference will generate a series of recommendations for service providers and policymakers on how to better address the needs of people who use cocaine and methamphetamine, an otherwise underserved population. It is critically important to sort out myth from fact when it comes to people who use stimulants because they are such a highly stigmatized population, said Lindsay LaSalle, senior staff attorney at the Drug Policy Alliance. Myths play out in many negative ways that end up hurting people who use drugs. They perpetuate shame and blame, restrict access to services, and keep people in the shadows rather than encouraging them to seek help. This conference is an opportunity to look beyond the stereotypes so we can better understand who uses stimulants, their motivations for use, related risks, and strategies for mitigating these risks. The potential harms for stimulant use can be different from those of other drugs, and so this 
conversation promises to expand understanding of harm reduction, which is often focused on providing clean syringes to opioid users. Panelists will discuss a wide range of harm reduction strategies, such as the need to create safer consumption spaces for people who smoke crack cocaine, transitioning injection stimulant users from smoking as low-risk route of administration, and the need for low-threshold housing and supports. Treatment for stimulants has also been poorly understood. The conference will feature a panel to discuss evidence-based strategies like contingency management and innovative approaches such as medication-assisted treatments and substitution treatments for stimulant use. The event is free, but participants must pre-register here. There's a link. It's Monday, September 25th, 2017 from 8.30 to 5 at the Japanese American National Museum, 100 North Central Avenue in Los Angeles. And um, hey, cool. Go get your stimulant on. Go get your go get <laughs> get get your brain stimulated by the stimulus. So um, a I bunch of PhDs, great stuff happening. Lunch provided for all attendees. That's nice. Free lunch. You're gonna be. Your speed doesn't make you hungry. <laughs> <laughs> True that. Well, and it's. I mean, it's interesting. Stimulant use, uh, really just. For the rich people in San Francisco, it just affects your pocketbook. I yeah. mean, that's, <laughs> the, that's the problem is, uh, you know, once a week you're like, where did that $100 go? Oh, oh it was my that nose. eight ball of Coke. Is that, I have no idea how much it costs anymore. I, I, well, I think it, it, well, I used to pay like 100 for eight, but I think it's like now here in SF, I've never bought an eight, but other people, uh, like, 175 wow yeah and the thing is like problem with cocaine is it's cost it's cost (laughs) but the thing is here's the scary thing about it like is there gonna be meth mixed with my coke Mm. that's another i heard they're even mixing mixing fentanyl with coke now which makes no sense at all which makes no sense at all i haven't done drugs in months so Mm. well you know and and they they, they're talking about stimulant use and why people use them and you got to wonder why people use them because when you're on cocaine it makes you feel like a superhero like yes. I am the smartest person I get really horny every single thing I say is so so smart yes. everything I say I is feel really, really pretty. pretty yeah pretty, I feel pretty. pretty I feel like giving people that things for no reasons yeah, yeah right exactly and you're like everything I do is awesome and then you're like, oh shit, maybe I'm not down. so awesome. And Rope then the, the next day, it's like, I am the opposite of awesome. I hate myself. I, I hate, hate myself. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I am the opposite that's, of awesome. I think that's just with cocaine how I feel. Crack is a different thing. Crack, well, see, you're, you've used the crack. I've never used I've, the crack. I've, I've, I've smoked crack a couple of times, and I wanted to take a shower the two times I've done it I felt grimy it just makes I think grimy. it's yeah it's, it's psychological it's psychologically yeah, like you think sure. when you see people do cocaine what what do you what do you see I see wow those rich people sure are cool yes and, and <laughs> studio 54 and like look how pretty I am when you see crack what do you see uh, and meth well it's teethless <laughs> it's people without teeth it's grimy that are, yeah that are like you know, being like, I'll suck your dick for another, uh, yeah, a little bit of crack. Exactly. So I'm ready to go. Let's do it. See, so right there for me, it's just like the the perception sure. of how both all those drugs look, which I mean, I I don't like crack because you're chasing that high. So that's why I'm like, I could never be a crackhead. Um, and then Coke, which I don't, I mean, I do it once in a while. I, I, I do it in moderation because I know that I could turn into a 
caffeine. Hungry nose. A hungry nose. And plus, the next day, like you said, you don't feel good. Yeah, it just makes you feel terrible. You, you feel right. like shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Don't, don't do crack, kids. Don't do it. That's why you don't fuck with it anymore. No, it? I don't yeah. fuck with any stimulants anymore. Well, and I used to, um, I used to be into like Ritalin and Adderall and you know those baby methamphetamines because if they're giving the methamphetamines to babies, they must be safe, right? So, <laughs> but it, those made me into such a crazy person that I had a large contingency of friends who said we don't like you when you're on that stuff and I was like oh well then I just I mean because there was really no reason to take it other than it just made my life more interesting <laughs> it, it made me it made me way more antsy about things happening it was like should be done why am I getting done what's going on and like get me on the bus which was not ex- like it felt just like this it felt like where when are we getting there what's going on and that's because I'm not ADHD or ADD if I was then it would calm me down but methamphetamines for depending on your brain chemistry if your brain chemistry is that you have attention deficit disorder or a temper attention deficit hyperactivity disorder when you take methamphetamines for some reason the chemistry in your brain goes now I'm normal or I can pay attention forever but my problem is that if I take any methamphetamines then whoa it's it just it makes me super insane yeah you've already got this like i don't speedy personality like right. you're on you're on top of it already kind of thing right, so i mania. don't think yeah i don't think you need that no i don't need yeah. that i don't need that so well that is the drug policy alliance minute here brought Yay. to you by the alta cast on mutinyradio.fm again go to their website uh and donate because they are a non-profit who are trying to change the way that we see drugs in the United States. So we're trying to, you know, decriminalize uh, and stop the, the penalization of people for and the stigmatization of drug use and think about harm reduction. So go to Drug Policy Alliance. Uh, this is the AltaCast. We, at 12.30, we are going to have a special interview by Jesse Wakeman of the movie Donald Cried. Very excited about that. And right now, we'll quickly get to Gnarl Pro-Choice America. Uh, They're doing some crazy tweeting thing right now because something like terrible happened and we didn't get something, blah, blah, blah. blah. They sent me a thing, but I'm like, why isn't it on your website? Uh Um, But they're new. They don't they don't have any new news as of last week. Um, What? No, I know. There's no new. There's just no new. They didn't they didn't do any new um, PRs or anything like that. But. They do have a bunch of videos that we've never seen, informational videos. So we'll um, we'll listen to one of those right now because we love you, Narl. And uh, you can also go to Narl, www.prochoiceamerica.org, and they have a donate button right there at the top that you should definitely uh, take advantage of if you're a woman or if you care about reproductive rights or just human rights in general, because women are people. This is a video that uh, they put together, 44 Years of Roe. We won't go back. We won't go back. Oops. Switch three and four. Yeah, there we go. Take three down. And here we go. 44 Years of Roe. We won't go back. 2017 marks the 44th anniversary of the landmark Supreme Court decision in Roe v. Wade. Roe recognized the legal right to abortion, and with it, affirmed that every person can choose if, when, and with whom to start or grow a family. But this year, 
abortion rights are under attack. Donald Trump's presidency represents a clear and present danger to women, our families, and our bodies. He's threatened to appoint anti-choice Supreme Court justices who could be key in overturning or gutting Roe and making abortion illegal or inaccessible. And he's filling the White House with racists, sexists, and anti-choice extremists. In Congress, Anti-choice Republicans are attacking women's health care every chance they get. They vow to dismantle the Affordable Care Act, which helps millions of women afford health care, and they're moving aggressively to defund Planned Parenthood. But NARAL was founded before abortion was legal in this country, so we know what it takes to fight back. With you on our side, we'll continue to protect the legacy of Roe v. Wade and fight for the rights of all people to control our own bodies and make our own healthcare decisions. Share why reproductive freedom is important to you by tweeting with hashtag 7 and 10 for Roe. Ready to join the resistance? Visit NARAL.org slash join. NARAL. I've always been calling it NARAL, but I guess it's NARAL. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, go tweet. They're doing this big tweet thing right now. Uh, tweet around. I don't tweet or twat. I just don't. I'm too old. But um, if you, young people, you're the future, please, for your own future, support yeah, Support Roe v. Wade. I can't believe that after 42 years, almost 43 years, it's 44 years, it's still under attack. It was 1974, so it's actually 43 years because I'm 43 years old and I was born in 74. <laughs> so that's happening. But 2017 marks the 44th anniversary of the decision and abortion rights are still under attack, which is so scary. So yeah. go to NARL. Makes no sense. Sign a petition. And that includes... Uh, take action. That includes like them taking away your birth control too. So. Uh, oh, absolutely. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's not just uh, preventing your. Or, or not just taking away your birth control, but making it difficult to get access to birth control, which is so important, and it should be free. <laughs> well, I mean, we. we I agree. I mean, I think everything should be free, yeah. but I'm a, I'm a, I'm a socialist. Uh, hey, just we're just joined by Journey Roberts. What do you think about abortion? I'm all for it. All for it. Yeah. Uh, we see you brought Moose in, the cutest, biggest dog in the history Adorable. of dogs. He's definitely looking for something. Ooh. Oh, he says, what, what do you got going on? And here's him. Oh. He's a talker. Hey, buddy. Uh, there we go. So, yeah, big box. It's kind of heavy. I don't know what exciting thing you've ordered, but sweet. T-shirts. Sweet. Uh, hey, I'll just take this opportunity since Journey was part of the second annual Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival to say that you too can apply right now for the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival. The third annual brought to you by Spark. It's going to be very exciting. It's going to be Spark Presents the third annual Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival. It's coming March 1st through 5th, 2018, but applications are due uh, now. The application is open until November 30th. That's when that is going to close. So please, if you're a comedian from anywhere in the United States, apply. That would be great. Yes. Uh, it's only $10 to apply, which is really inexpensive for a That's festival. It's nothing. And it's 25 shows in five days. And every participant, each of the 40 participants, get at least three shows. So, And all at a minimum of 10 minutes on those uh, 
on those. Yeah. yeah. Thanks. You get to so meet people. You get to meet people and you get to meet probably this wonderful dog moose. But Journey was a part of it last year. And if you want to hear any of those shows, you can actually go on our website, mutinyradio.fm. You can donate on the side, but then you can look up. We have Comedy Festival 2016 and Comedy Festival 2017. We have all of the indices there with all of the podcasts inside them. So you guys can actually listen to all of those uh, podcasts from last year. And I hope that you do. Uh, all right, so that was a really quick drug speed, policy alliance. Yeah, right. <laughs> Literally the speed round. Uh, and so, before while he's calling, I thought we'd get into this. One of my favorite things about the movie, uh, Donald cried, which we're gonna get into when Jesse Wakeman calls in a few minutes here from Boonville, uh, visiting his family and the whatnot. The soundtrack was awesome. It was awesome. Yeah. It was so nostalgic and super badass. And uh, I was, we were gonna play some clips from these songs here. Please do. Because uh, they're, so, they're so great. You too will remember how. You too will remember uh, your past and your future and all of those wonderful things. These jams. And. Uh, yeah, buddy. I might have to watch it again. Uh, yeah, I mean, why not go for a third time? Uh, my computer just Uh-oh. decided to, for no reason, uh, be a problem. So I am just flying blind for no reason right now. Yeah. Enter power saving mode. I don't even know what that means. All right. So, <clears throat> so what we got here is Pam trying to fix a computer. And all of a sudden, it, of course, on a day like today, something has to fuck up and die. Right. I, yeah. It's something I touched. Something happened. And uh, I have no idea. Oh, buddy. This is why technology is too scary. You can't always depend on it. <laughs> well, and I, I don't know if I somehow accidentally turned the computer off just now or what happened. Because... Uh, I'm really glad that I already know the stream is up so that we're not going to lose this amazing right. phone call. This is all about the phone call. I can remember some of the songs, though. I was going to play some for you. Why don't There's you Millie sing Vanilli. it to us? Well, I don't have the list in front of me anymore because my computer died. Here, that's okay. I have my iPhone. There we go. Which, by the way, don't trust your iPhones or any kind of phone technology. Okay. Oh, it's back up. Oh, it's, it's back up. Oh, God there bless go. it. It's, it's back up. Okay, so we start with... Millie Vanilli, and it's actually the, it was actually where the, the credits came up, and they played this, just a, one of my favorite Millie Vanilli tunes uh, of all time. He totally had to be a Millie Vanilli fan. Well, like, it's seriously. obvious that these filmmakers were like our age, you know? Yeah. Uh, because it's just nostalgic stuff. Tell me this doesn't make you nostalgic. Nothing good make change my point of view. Oh, girl, girl, I'm gonna miss you, baby. I think this was a great song. I know, in too the bad they didn't sing it. Now I'm here, my time. I just don't know what I should do. 
There we go. That's the that's the legal amount you're allowed to play that song. Uh, okay, here's another one. I loved this song. So this is a song they used in the scene when they were at that really uncomfortable cancer benefit. Oh, gosh. and you get in there and you're like, this is the weirdest, like most. Nostal- <laughs> you're like, it's like blind date gone wrong, and you're like, oh god. And then this wonderful song is playing and everyone's dancing. Remember this one? I can't wait. I own that song. Boop, 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 By the way, that's new shoes. Do, 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 do. I don't know why it's not playing. Do, 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 do. Oh, because I don't have the volume up. God, I'm having so many. I'm so nervous. <laughs> Damn, the world is all about. Yeah, this is my jam. You got so thin that I Oh. By the way, that album is the first album I ever bought with my own money that I made by oh, washing dishes. Oh, see how nostalgic this movie yeah, is? Yeah, so that's why I like that uh, that scene. And then there's this one, Dance Hall Days by Wang, Wang Chung. Chung. <laughs> Enough. We were cool. Uh, Christ. This was also playing when during the uncomfortable dance scene. Where he like double fists, uh, Long Island iced teas, and you're like, they are just gonna get wasted. Okay, so uh, fun, just little note about this uh, Dance Hall Days by Wang Chung. I never knew the real words until I watched Donald cry because serious? underneath it tells you what the words are. I thought it was like, it's it's like, they use the word craze. I thought it was like, Dance Hall Day, love. And it was Dance Hall Days. And I thought they were, it, it, they kept saying craze. There were words and I was like, that's what they're saying in that song? <laughs> I had no idea. So thank you, Donald Cried, for, I watch, I watch everything with the, um, with the subtitles, subtitles so yeah. I know what's going on. Uh, here's the next song. This one is like a classic, 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 classic. All right, eight six seven five three zero nine. Is that a real number? I bet it is. This is a funny little note I learned from um, from the director. Not he isn't the director, but he's one of the story writers, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Jesse Wakeman, who's going to be calling, and you can tell as I'm getting more excited, I'm getting more nervous, and et cetera. But the number at the end of the film is really. The Chris Avadeja, I don't know how to pronounce his last name, but he's the director and he's the guy who plays Donald. And it's really his number. So people were calling that number and it's like goes to his cell phone, which is crazy. Um, another interesting thing is uh, that the baby, I guess, is his baby. The baby that's in the movie is his baby. Oh, it is? Right. That's I'm not not Jesse Wakeman's baby. His wife is pregnant and they're going to have a baby. Ah. But the director, Chris Avadejan, I don't know how to pronounce his last name, he 
had a baby and that baby is the baby when they're in that scene with the people and it's so awkward and he's oh. like don't kick me don't kick me stop kicking me, stop kicking me. and he's like yeah we plastered your house with shit yeah <laughs> or whatever <laughs> he's like nope moment. nope you didn't nope no, you, we no, didn't nope we didn't nope, no we didn't you remember that time in like in ninth grade yeah yeah <laughs> uh here's another one i love another great nostalgic song from me and junior high love it love it love it love it, love it. as soon as we started to There it is. Shannon. Let the music Let play. The music Shannon. Play. Yeah. Uh, uh, the last song that's on the soundtrack that you guys would know is another one of my favorite songs from the 80s. In, and I'd forgotten that these were my favorite songs and then I like know all the lyrics to them. It's just so funny to me. Uh, this is Obsession by yes. Anna Motion. Everyone knows this. Session, my ba 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 ba. Yeah. So there it is. Great I, I 80s songs. Sh- you know what? I, I I should just get that soundtrack. Yeah. Seriously. It's, a, it's actually. Well, I mean, you can find everything on yeah. YouTube. Right. I probably have it all on my like iPhone anyway. Sure, so. you do. Just put it together and think about Donald's cried when you do. Uh, it is a great. It is a great soundtrack. And I wonder. And I talked to him before, and we'll ask like money things, you know, because um, I can't. I, how much? How much does it cost to get a soundtrack? Because you have to buy the rights to those songs, which right. is why we can only play 30 seconds of every song, is that uh, that's what's legal. Yeah. So um, you have to get paid for you the have music. To, right. So who do you buy the rights from? I have so many weird questions uh, for Jesse Wakeman when he calls in. Uh, yeah. We've watched it multiple times. I've written down questions. I am super excited. He's going to be calling momentarily <laughs> here at mutinyradio.fm. While we're waiting for that call, let me let you know about a great show happening this Friday here at the station at 8 o'clock. It's next, Speed Date, a comic. Two single audience members will each Speed Date five comics live on stage. Five dude comics and five lady comics, all single, will speed date for about three minutes and then do comedy until the bachelor or bachelorette scream next. And then another comic takes their place. So we have uh, Annette Mullaney, Rachel Raphael, and uh, Geneva Rust Orta, Nicole Turley, and there's a. There's a fifth, and I should know from the top of my head who it is. And I don't, but she's a lovely human being, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> so it's gonna be it's gonna be a great show, though. And I encourage you to go right now to Eventbrite and buy some tickets, everybody. Absolutely, they're only ten dollars. Uh, and if you buy them online, you can use your card or whatever. Because at the door, we only take cash right now. Eventually, we're going to take we're gonna get the square so that we can make people. Uh, 
would make them give them the option to, to pay with a card on the square. Um, but I'm excited for I'm excited for the show this week. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Sounds like it's going to be fun. Yeah. Well, and we've done it in the past, but we've known who they're going to speed date, and people just come watch it. But this time, we have no idea who we're going to choose out of the audience. Who's going to get laid? Well, that's the thing is we're hoping to have everyone in the audience be single so that we can just kind of randomly call up two people and then have them speed date and the rest. Um, but then the funny thing is if everyone in the room is single, they can talk before, they can go to Asiento up the street and uh, get a drink. I totally encourage everyone to do that, to go to Asiento before they come here because we are an alcohol-free space. Um, and go up there, get a drink, come here, have a great time at the show. It's laugh. only ten dollars. Laugh, laugh at yourself. Sense of humor is turning people on. And and laugh at, laugh at speed dating because it's funny. And if you if you can't be here in person, just listen live online, www.mutinyradio.fm, or you can download the podcast after. Uh, I, okay, so here are the single dudes: Marty Cunny, Zacho Wiseman, Arden Marchetta, and Anthony Medina. Oh, Marcy Rogo is the fifth lady. Uh, so do that now. Go speed date a comic. It's going to be a lot of fun. And people said, oh, is this only for cisgendered people? And I said, well, the first one, yeah, you know, we're going to go with the heterosexual. But the second one I'm going to do is going to be gender fluid. LGBTQ. Uh, I was going to say LGBTQ friendly, but then I'm like, why do we have to stick the word friendly behind LGBTQ? Why can't we just say LGBTQ? Like, yeah, it's queer. We're doing it queer style. Cool. <laughs> and so I asked some of my friends who are um, on the, I don't even want to, on the spectrum. I'm such a dick. Like I try, not, I try to be PC, PC, but then I end up digging a bigger hole when I try to be it PC. It's, it's overwhelming sometimes because it's, 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 it's something new that we're all right, have that to educate ourselves about. Right. Because they don't teach that shit in school. Well, and it's, it's about using the, gen, the non-gender specific they or them yeah, as opposed the to he, he or binary, she the binary, binary yeah. yeah and saying so the, I wore a um, button today and we'll see if you think this is cute uh, by a friend Cassandra Inglesby comedian she made this it's a picture of a poodle and it has a little rainbow necklace on and it says don't assume my gender because this could be this could be a boy Fluffy, cute poodle with a rainbow necklace on. It could be a girl. It could be, but for a, those a G or what's the new one? They call it XI or something like that. But here's the thing: I don't think I think people need to have a conversation about this. Um, just because the fact of like, I don't want to offend anybody, but if I if I do, I don't want them to get angry with me right. because of I my ignorance. <gasps> oh, oh, here it is. Here's the call. Which way am I turning? Mutiny Radio, this is Pam. Hey, Jesse, you're here. Okay, I'm going to put you online. Hold on. I'm going to get you live. He's live. He's live. He's here. Hey, Jesse Wakeman. Welcome to MutinyRadio.fm. Thank you, thank you. Thank you so much for calling in. We just finished going through um, little snippets of the soundtrack of the incredible movie Donald Cried that you were oh, producer right. and lead actor, co-lead actor, whatever, and writer. And uh, we went through all those songs because they were so nostalgic and awesome. They were all my jams. 
Uh, I am joined by my co-host Latoya. So Latoya, meet Jesse Wakeman. Hello. Good afternoon. Hey Latoya. Hi. Great. Good she, to hear from you guys. She also watched the movie I've seen it twice, twice and <laughs> loved it. So we're wow. we're gonna try not to be like Chris Farley and be like, remember remember that time you did that movie where you were in that guy's room and there was like a pussy on the ceiling? You remember that time? Do you remember that time with that picture of that pussy? Remember? <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> it was so awesome. <laughs> Sorry. Your inner Chris Farley. Yeah, I, I definitely want to talk about that scene, though. Uh, but to let the audience know, there might be some spoiler alerts just because I'm a jerk and I just can't help she it. can't help herself. Uh, but this was an independent film that came out in 2016 that has now been optioned to Netflix so that it can get a wider audience. And it's about... Um, well, why don't you tell us your synopsis of if you were like, let me tell you in three sentences what the movie's about. Um, yeah, it's it, it's about um, a guy uh, who has been away from his roots in his hometown for many years. Um, you know, in his mid to late thirties, and he's forced to go home for his grandma's funeral, and he gets stuck there. He loses his wallet, and he gets stuck there, and he he has kind of has no other choice. There's no one to help him, and he has to spend. This 24 hours with his old friend, which, you know, becomes this, like, metaphor for revisiting your past and, you know, reconnecting with, like, people from your life and former your former self. And, you know, it, it taps into a, a lot of that. And your former self in this movie was, like, pretty dorky? I mean, they mentioned metal. They mentioned really long hair. But when, he, when you come on scene, you're, like, super slick and, like, from, you know, like, you can tell, like... Wall Street. From the jeans and your cool, like, cravat, like, you know, thing, your warmth. And the, the cool earmuffs, like, you're this very slick guy. And then you come, you know, you bump into this guy who's, like... Part of your past. Part of your past who's, door, like, not... And Still then the same. But trying to remember who you were... So in high school, like the backstory of this character, you were just like the dorkiest dork? Well, yeah. I mean, the way we talked about it, you know, I mean, we, we did a lot of work on backstory. And then I think once you see the movie, it's hopefully just sort of infused in there. But it's hard, you know, it, it, it depends on what the audience is picking out. I mean, yeah, our description of it would be, yeah, like we were just, we were the metalheads. I mean, like, you know, people in the movie say, like we were just, you know, in, into music, into metal, kind of just weirdos. Um, and, and that's something that I really, you know, my character really, obviously at a certain point in his life just completely wanted to change and put behind him and pretty much forget about, which is like a pretty common experience. I feel like you'll see like old pictures of yourself or something. You're just like, Oh God, oh, I was into yeah. that oh. or, you know, whatever. So it's just that kind of thing. But obviously Donald has stayed around and he's kind of stayed in his past and he's nostalgic about that those times. And. So it's about, I mean, it's so much about that kind of like being forced to reacquaint yourself with, you know, what you were and, and what that that all means. And your character is so successful, and then he gets back and runs into Donald, who is living at his parents' house. In the, and it's there's such great, the one thing I love about the movie is that everything adds. There's nothing there that doesn't have a purpose. So like every poster in his room, like the fact that the, the, it's a slanted room, like he's still sort of in the attic. Like he, mm-hmm. he never, he never, his hair's all messy. Like he just, he never progressed for whatever reason. And then you've sort of catapulted yourself in the future. But when you come back, suddenly he sees you as like an equal that he can mess with. And there's mm-hmm. this sort of, 
I mean, that first it's kind scene. Of like he, it's he, Donald's character is not grown up and what have you. Right. He's still, it's still like that time of when they were teenagers or what have you for him. The the, the adult child, the, yeah. the thirty seven year old teenager which, that still lives with mom that works I, for dad yeah. and which I think sometimes people should never lose that. You know, it balances right. out. It balances out. Do you do you see yourself in any of the characters of um, you know, in the film like? Like, are you? Yeah, there's definitely parts of, of I mean, myself, I mean, I, I guess in both, but certainly, yeah, with Peter, like, I identify with that. I mean, I, I'm, I'm calling from, like, Ukiah, California, where my parents work, but I'm from Boonville, which is a small town, you know, in Northern California, and, like, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm actually happen to be back here, like, in my hometown, like, right. near my old high school where I went to school. Most of the people that live there are gone now, but they just had the Boonville Fair, and I saw some old faces, and... You know, it's just, uh, so I definitely connect with that return. And also, yeah, I'll just know, I mean, I, I hope now there's a maturity and I can kind of just be cool, but I definitely have had moments in my life where I'm just like, oh my God, I just don't really want to talk to that person. Right. Yeah, yeah, Because yeah. It's mostly though, because they're, they're going to remind me of sort of like what I was. It, it, it almost, it's more unconscious. It, it, it's really weird, you know, and it's something that people have really connected with with the movie is just this sense of going home and just like the really strange feelings that you don't really quite understand but for whatever reason you make these links in your mind with like I guess what you were and what you don't want to be anymore I mean I will say also I mean you know you guys as the as the viewers should be the one deciding all this but you know it was noteworthy for us that like you know Peter you know was this kind of like dorky guy or was sort of more in like Donald's world but like you know, in the beginning of the movie, he tried to call a friend to help. Right, right. Helping. You That's know? right. So it's like it's not like this guy has like catapulted himself to some like great place. I mean, in a way, the question is, has he even grown any more than Donald, for instance? Yeah, he might sure. have slick hair and earmuffs, but like, really, is it any better? You know, and like the idea for us was always like, oh yeah, I work at a bank. I work at a bank, but like, you know, there's different positions at a bank. Sure. You know, or there's different. You know, there's like. There's like, I work on Wall Street, or there's like, I'm a bank teller. Right, know? right, right, right. That's not answered in the movie. So that's something we do kind of try to keep open, and I think that's part of Peter's deal, you know? I mean, God, if he really was in, like, such a good state, then he could have done a lot of things differently, you know? But yeah. he, he wasn't. He didn't have that choice. He, he had to go see Donald. Right, because he, he called that one guy, but he didn't have, like, a girlfriend to call or a... No. And then we find out that he has no parents. Like, he, he's sort of this, like... Lone Island, like, and he yeah. he wants to try to get some help, but then he has to go connect with this guy, and the whole that opening scene really solidifies the movie as comedy. When he uh-huh. takes off that towel and just like, I mean, and I can only imagine that he's that the impetus for that is I've always had a huge dick, you know, and he's like takes off, he's like, and I feel really comfortable right now. It's been years, but I'm going to stand naked in front of you and have this weird conversation about what I thought you were going to be like when you come back. Right. That whole situation is, and I was saying earlier to Laura I'm like, he's such a good actor and I don't want to tell him, but you didn't laugh at all. Like, I can't even, you, you're, it is so hard to be the straight man to someone who's saying such insanely ridiculous things about like your character, your, your rippling muscles, and I imagine you with the hair and the, that whole scene. Just, I, hey, I mean, thank you. I mean, I agree. It, yeah, it definitely was difficult, you know, because because it, it was very it was very funny, you know. Yeah. How much of that um, was improvisationally based? 
Um, well, I guess I'll just say, like, we actually just, they asked us to submit the script to, like, the um, Library of, like, uh, Academy and Sciences or something cool. for, like, nice. students to future reference and stuff, which is really cool. And we were, I was kind of going through it, and I was like, oh, it's so interesting, because it's like, that dialogue was written more or less, you know, like him talking about coming back on a hog and, like, some of that stuff. <laughs> yeah. But it was in different places. So I was like, oh, oh, it's so fascinating how that actually ended up getting formed. So it's like, the ideas were there, but we had it in a different scene when we were, like, driving in the car. Right. You know? Oh, okay. And, yeah. and then, it, and, but it's like, it ended up coming up in, in that place. I mean, you know, that, 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 that scene was actually one of the few reshoots that we did. Okay. Um, so, so yeah, that, that was, because we kind of reworked the whole opening a bit to just try to kind of get it to work a bit better. And, yeah, that's where that came from. And so, yeah, I mean, improv in general, you know, it's a huge question that people ask with the movie. And, you know, basically, I mean, the three of us, Kyle, Salida, Chris, and I were working on the story for, like, years and really, like, kind of working from the inside out, arguing a lot, and really having to defend, like, where we were at, building these characters. And it was just, like, so that's why, like, we knew it really, really, really well. So right, once yes. it started, it was, like, scenes, we knew what they were about, we knew where they were going, we knew the lines, but if we wanted to drift off or try something else, we did that, too. But it was very scripted. That's something we definitely, like, kind of make a point of, because, like, you know, I love some of, like, Joe Swanberg's work or, you know, these different bits. Like, some of those people are much more openly like, oh, no, it's completely improvised. Whereas, like, this is actually really the other side. It was actually very written, and then, you know, we, we would go off the page. Right on. Nice. Uh, that made me think of another... Oh, you have... Do you have a question? Oh, I was just saying, like, um, have you... Like, what form of theater... Or did you study theater or, you know... Or what have you? Yeah. Did how you did you learn how to act so good? I think is what we're. <laughs> I think is what we're acting well. Obviously, I'm making uh, a joke. That's but. sweet. I mean, yeah. So I do. I definitely do have a background. That was just something like really early, early on when I was when I was young. I was into you know plays, theater, blah blah blah. And I was, I was in Boonville, and that's where I grew up. And then I was lucky enough to like work with this theater company on the coast, and then you know like Fort Brad, and I got to be some kind of real actors then. And you know, I just kind of continued to do. It. I mean, ultimately, I was really obsessed with movies. That's what it was always about. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, that's why this movie is kind of great for us. Like the first time we, you know, we got to make a real movie and, and really act. I've been in a lot of like independent stuff, like friends work. I mean, I've kind of been in this for a while, kind of working on it. Yeah. So, you know, it, it, it's, it's something that evolved. And like we, we just, especially with like Chris and Kyle, I mean, we've kind of been working on this stuff all together for since like 2000. Oh, wow. um, because is that when so, you started on the short film? The, this, yeah, this is, that's when we started working like all together. You know, was was that era? So we were making a lot of different shorts and like, yeah, trying to play different characters, finding out what worked, finding out what didn't. Um, and you know, in previous shorts, like if we had a, like a wilder character like Donald, mm -hmm. a lot of times, like you know, it's, there were attempts where I tried to play a character kind of more like that. You know, <laughs> Chris was playing right. something else. A lot of times, Chris is behind the camera. Kyle and I were acting for a long time, but, but basically, yeah, Chris and I, and sort of as it was like 2008, 2009, 10, we were working on like a feature strip, trying to figure out our our feature, our first feature, how to make it, how to make it small, et cetera. And then we kind of almost as exercises to continue working, it was always like, we got to make it short, we got to keep making stuff, got to keep making stuff. And, you know, made our horror films, made our like genre films, made a lot of different stuff. And then it was like, we just kind of were like, oh, let's get back to basics. Let's do something more character-based. And we, we put together the, the Donald Craig short pretty quickly. And once that forms, 
we had these characters like, oh, why don't we build a feature around these characters? They obviously work. That's a real and interesting dynamic. And then, and then we worked on that script for a few years. And that wow. Was what, that process. Got. It's a really long process. Yeah. yeah. Like even like, is that process harder than getting the money <laughs> to? Yeah. yeah. They, they all kind of work together. I mean, you, you know, we always say like, I think in this case we benefited from not getting the money for as long as we did, like about <laughs> three years, because we kept working on the script. Right. So right. like, that's why the script was so that's why you have these, like, you know, these sort of reveals. I guess I won't say them on the air for people haven't seen it, but these reveals kind of at the end, it's like those just didn't happen by accident. I mean, they were pretty, pretty set up. So so that was the thing. We had trouble getting funding even though even though it was a small budget. I mean, I guess, honestly, I will say the hardest thing to do was find a real, a real and then a really good producer, and that was right. Kyle Martin who had produced Tiny Furniture. Oh, I had been sending out almost like cold calls like to just different people like through NYU. Really? Like, you cold called people? To, well, we were just, well, yeah, but you have to understand too, like the Donald story, it's like, try to pitch that. It's like, oh, it's about two old friends who meet up in their hometown and spend a day together. It's like people aren't like coming out of the woodwork to make that movie. So people are like, oh, I've kind of seen that before. And it's like, Mm, All right. Yeah, not in that way, though. Yeah. You guys but, are but, so but, unique. But, it, but it's, it's how it works, you know? And so it's like, you know, trying to... So the, the script wasn't, like, popping off the page necessarily. So it did take a bit to get people, like, excited about it. But I think Kyle Martin was basically taken by the short. He was like, oh, my God, this, this is the kind of comedy, this is the kind of thing I'm interested in. And so Kyle and I met in New York. Chris was in Rhode Island, and then that's how he came on. And he's amazing. I mean, we always sing his praises. He's a close friend now, but... He, uh, he was huge for helping get the movie made. I really felt like, and you didn't ever touch on this, but you could have sold it through the spectrum angle that no one's really made a true life autistic movie about an, a person who, who's on the spectrum. And that was when I first saw the movie. It struck me. I was like, this is hilarious because it's it's not mentioning it and it's not saying here's this guy on the spectrum but like he clearly is and it's like people who aren't on the spectrum who used to be friends and they thought people were kind of weird but then they watch him grow up and they're like whoa they really were not typically developing or what have you and it just becomes comedic that he has no sense of how his behavior affects other people he takes off his towel in front of you he's telling the truth to the baby that's his baby right in the story in real life the baby it's so cute because he's talking to the baby he's like hey baby and I'm like that's, I'm like, yeah, how does he have friends with yeah, the baby? Yeah, yeah. But in that thing, like, you're like kicking him under the table, being like, this is not appropriate. This is not appropriate. He like just does doesn't get it. Does not have a filter. Right. right. And, but that's, and it's great because it, it normalizes being on the spectrum. And it's something that we've known that people have, but it doesn't necessarily say, here's a movie about a guy who comes home and meets his autistic friend. <laughs> but it, I feel like right, that's where. Right. Well, I mean, I, you know, the thing that we always, there, I always say at least, like, and I think it's a part of it, is like, at least when we were in school, like, we're in our late 30s now, when we were in school, you know, there were, there were kids, as we all remember, that were, like, a little different, you know, and that's all you kind of knew them as, there wasn't really words for it, the spectrum, you know, that didn't exist, you weren't talking about it that way, and you just kind of, like, you just, it didn't, man, it didn't matter. Like, you were, like, if that was a neighbor and that was someone to hang out with and play video games and do something with, then you just hung with them, right. you yeah. know? And I think that spirit of it, like, I, I, I liked it that was unspoken in the movie, and it was just like, yeah, that's part of what their old friendship was. I mean, he obviously lived across the street. I mean, that's where, those were our homes. You know, I lived with Nona, and that was, like, you know, Donald across the street. So, 
you know, and in that sense, I think we were just trying to do that. And also, like, you know, we definitely live in a world, I feel like now, where it's like, you know, putting a lot of things in categories and like yes. being able to kind of name something really quickly. Um, and, and it's something that we confronted with, like, the promotion of the movie. People are like, we got it. it's a comedy. It's a comedy. You got to talk about it as a comedy. Make it a comedy. You know, it's like Seth Rogen. It's like, and we're just sort of like, hey, we, Seth Rogen's cool. We think it's funny. We, we love comedy. But, like, we think this, we don't want to just, like, name it as one thing because, like, it isn't just a comedy in a way. And in a way, it's almost more of a drama. It depends on how you see it. And, like, I think that's sort of the same thing with the spectrum. I, I think that was going to be hard for us. We, we, we really, like, you know, believe in that, and we, we have friends that are on the spectrum. I mean, Chris and I actually worked with developmentally disabled adults for a few years in the Bay Area um, in the early 2000s when we first met. Like, we're we're that's that's familiar to us, but yeah, we weren't because you're right. We could have made more noise about that and maybe the promotion of the film, but like, yeah, we kind of wanted to leave a, as a lot unsaid for people right. to kind yeah. of work with. That's interesting to us. Yeah, but it, but it doesn't it doesn't go great with the world of sort of promotion that we're kind of right. today. So They're that's so something that we always, you know, we always have to kind of navigate. But it is, it's a, I mean, it is a piece of art. Like everything adds to it. The setting, every set, whether it's the snow sets, whether it's darkness on set, and there's this sort of very, very light brightness of things versus very, very dark. And it's like going home, returning to childhood, returning to innocence with the snow thing. And then also like, the, the darkness and that the turn that happens later on when you're in the snow and you say let's go smoke pot and that's and then it like turns to another darkness place and you're like oh, what's going on I don't want a spoiler alert for anybody but the, the set really adds there's so much metaphor going on there's so many like large concepts and themes that are running through this there's family dynamics there's the dead parents dynamic you don't find out until later donald's history there's reveals there with his family dynamic there's the the, the love interest the whole thing yeah. about going back and i mean i have a person that i was super in love with in high school that oh my god if i saw them i would i don't know if i would pretend i didn't know them and then try to like but the way your character plays it is so cool like oh yeah i'm just this cool good-looking guy just selling this house like and yeah. then that that whole situation how that how that unfolds that's its own like story in itself it's very yeah. realistic yeah. I think because going back to the fact of what you were talking about with labels, as adults, we're hooked up on labels. So when we do return back, like I, for example, I'm from a small town in Missouri. I haven't okay. been, I haven't been back home in several years. So the reason why I connected with the film because some of those people that were once my playmates who are yep. still there, I'm going to have to reconnect with them, and yep. we're going to be at different levels in life, and yep. it's going to kind of be. I don't know. It's not embarrassing, but it's going to be like one of those moments of like, hmm, yeah. Because well, you don't want to necessarily prove, you don't want to wear a t-shirt that yeah. says, hey, I'm successful now. Look what I did. Look what I did. I did all these things. And But I'm the same way. When I go home, Like I suddenly become this very like starved for attention. I want people to look at me. I want them to like me. I, I get, I completely change. You go back to 1992. I go, I go right back to 92. <laughs> and I hated yep. myself then. And to... Right, that's the thing. Yeah, you hated yourself. It's yeah. like it. It's, but the the love interest situation was awesome. Uh, it was, it was that was so awesome? Uh, and we are, yeah, we already yeah, talked about how you imagined really Peter Letang in high school. 
she's definitely she's awesome. She's um and she's on like a pretty big show on Stars, The Girlfriend Experience. Oh. I love that show. Yeah. I recognized her face. Yeah. And yeah. one of the first moments when you guys are in the kitchen and she's selling the house or whatever, and it's so real, and she goes, she just says, "I'm so gay," and it it right. really is. It's it's very Rhode Island. Like there's specificities in the text that make it like. This is this small town in Rhode Island, like the way that people yep. talk. And I love that weird, awkward dance where like nobody's there, kind of yeah. like, but, and it's just normal people. Like, yep. how did you do your, your casting? Cause you have a very small, tight cast. And then you just have all of these extra people. Were they just friends of Chris's from? Yeah. 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 They're friends and family. I mean, it's like my wife is in there dancing, but yeah, I mean, that, that's Chris's town. I mean, that, that's Warwick. Um, so like his mom is there. His oh, mother-in-law is there, like, just all, all his whole community is definitely there. And, like, you know, we wanted more people. We thought people, more people would come. We actually held a, a real cancer benefit. So we raised money to <laughs> right. actually give to a cancer benefit. And so, but surprisingly, a lot of people didn't come. So it's kind of thin. But, I mean, it's basically exactly what it would look like in a situation, you know, like that. It's just kind of like, yeah, just sort of bad, kind of like, you know, uh, hall, you know, it's of, very real. It's very, very, very real. real. Yeah, it's very real. Yeah, and then and then yeah, just just a little a little get together, a little dance, you know, bad lighting. I mean, it's all <laughs> it is. It's great. Uh, the the terrible. It's like that fluorescent lighting. Yes, that the hospital and, lighting. And it's the music, right. and everyone's just awkwardly dancing and and double fisting. Terrible alcohol. Yeah. It's just it's yeah. just so funny. What what is next for you? Because. Um, this has been amazing and that people can, and you guys only have like a thousand likes on Facebook. We're going to try to change that yeah. here today. We're going to plug, like, plug it more. Yeah, we're going to be like, if you've not seen this movie yet, come on everybody, it's awesome. But uh, what's what's next? Do you have another script you've written? Yeah, or? yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you know, we're, I mean, we're, we're definitely like all working together, working separately. I mean, this has been a really great thing. You know, the movie actually came out amazing. I mean, you know, it, not, it came out. The fact that it came out is amazing. Yeah. You know, it got picked up by The Orchard, it's on iTunes, it's on Netflix, and uh, so, yeah, you know, that's opened some doors for us, so, you know, we're, we're talking about a TV show, which we're kind of, has been developed, and we're starting to, to pitch a bit, um, you know, but that's something that also, like, is, is fluid, it's like, that could be something, maybe if we could make it faster, it would become a movie, you know, maybe we just make another movie, make it at a bit a bit higher, uh, larger scale than, like, Donald. Right. Um, and that's, you know, that's about, a, like, a group of puppeteers um, in the late 90s and kind of upstate New York who, um, yeah, are, are working, are, you know, kind of have this public access uh, studio where they're able to perform this show and they kind of get this opportunity to kind of make it larger. And um, I already like they it. end up getting connected with this really dark character who, um, you know, kind of, come to like take over their lives and kind of create these really difficult relationships so like that that, that sounds awesome, that that awesome. <laughs> like sesame street like an underground sesame street like a fictional sesame street but on like a smaller thing and then there's all these characters that work together and one is a wrench that comes in that's yeah, fun exactly, exactly. <laughs> and yeah and it, you know and it's again another story about like his family and kind of and, and guild and just kind of this this group trying to stay together trying to make this it's art together, but maybe that time has passed. And yeah, they're obsessed with you know making these, making this puppet show. So, so that's something that that is like in the works. Um, Kyle and Chris have like a suspense thriller, like a, a very different genre, and they've been working on that for for years. 
um, and that seems to be sort of coming together a bit. I have a documentary that I've shot Sweet. Um, with this amazing uh, guy I met in Las Vegas some years ago named Django, and he built this makeshift church in his front yard and in his house and kind of ran this halfway house, and so I ended up spending a few different periods with him shooting um and and so that that that's a project that's being edited now and and i'm writing like a new a new feature script that's like kind of this new york based idea about this really bad theater company um so yeah like lots of irons in the fire i mean i guess you know, that's what they say you gotta you gotta do it that way and that's kind of it and we kind of know it because like something like donald i mean it took we made the short in 2000 and uh 12 and like the you know the feature didn't even get shot until 2000 end of beginning of 2015 wow and so um so it's like it all it all just takes a while so you kind of have to have different things you know ready to ready to go so but yeah but it's been good and like we just feel very very lucky to have made something that people are responding to you know, so awesome! Really cool. Um, on a different track, uh, not talking about Donald Cried, but just the film industry in general. What's your biggest pet peeve about f- the film industry right now? We talked about mine earlier on that back patio, <laughs> and people have heard my rant here, so I'm not even going to get into sausage party right now. But what is your? Because the audience has already heard it. But what is your like biggest thing where you're like, this is this is what this is the Hollywood film industry, and this is what I think's wrong with it, or you know, film in general. Yeah, I mean, I mean, there's a lot that's like wrong, but it's like I'm. Not, I guess I'm not blaming. I mean, this is just what we're what we're dealing with. I mean, we're seeing the rise of like home viewing just exploding, and so these apps and these networks are all moving to TV, and that means all the money is moving to TV, and all the writers moving to TV, and all the actors moving to TV, and everyone is on TV, and the and the framework for TV is different than movies. Movies are yeah. contained hour and a half, two hour long, um, you know, piece with a, a kind of a beginning, middle and end. And it's like on TV, it's, it's, it's a different format. So that's exciting. I mean, you know, in some ways I find that really exciting because I'm like, oh, there's going to be some new stuff. We're already starting to see people play with the form. I'm hoping that they're going to explode it more. Um, but yeah, movies, meanwhile, you know, um, is it, I mean, is it just, are they, are they just, is it nostalgia? I mean, like to make movies anymore? I don't think it is. Like, it's still <laughs> no. legitimate, yeah. a legitimate form, absolutely. Um, but where, where are the spaces that these things play? You know, it's right. like the multiplex and sort of the need very, for yeah. superstars and global sales to kind of, you know, generate money. I mean, that's why these major studios, they want major, major movies that they know that, you know, can kind of turn a profit. So where's the space for, these smaller movies, the movies that we love. I mean, you go back to like even to the eighties and the nineties. I mean, it's just yeah. I mean, you don't you don't get the Kramer versus Kramer. That's like a right. high budget like kind of studio drama. You know, it's like it just doesn't exist anymore. And in a weird way, strangely, the one space that's filling that void are kind of indie. You know, yeah, right? Absolutely. People can still make. You can't make a TV show on an independent budget. <laughs> no. And so you end up being like, well, how do I kind of make my my piece? And you just, you know, the, it ends up being like, all right, how do we raise our our fifty thousand or hundred thousand to make our our movie? So you know, that's nice to see. But at the same time, I mean, it 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 creates different work. I mean, it's like you can't, you don't have the budget again you know a Kramer versus Kramer is only going to be an indie Kramer versus Kramer it can be really great but it's not going to have that same sort of look and style you're not getting the same kind of cinematography you know right but I don't know it's, it's all 
You know, I mean, I, yeah, I still, I still I, believe So you're seeing, you're, you're not saying that the change sucks. You're just saying it's changing and we have to deal with it. Like it's, it's not like everything's changing and I hate it. It's more like everything's changing and now we have to adapt. I think that's it. I think that's it. And I'm kind of, I'm just, I, I just always, I guess, have faith in, in people and new artists and filmmakers to just be continuing to sort of find these new forms. That's what we've always done, you know? And like, I don't know, a recent movie that I'm a big fan of that I'll definitely plug is uh, the Safety Brothers, Good Time. I mean, you know, it's like, that's a really exciting movie. I was really pumped for it, like seeing the previews and I really liked their work for a long time. And it's like, you know, they just made a really cool movie and it's something in between. It's like, it's, it's not an indie. I mean, there's millions of dollars in it. Robert Pattinson's in it. You know, it's like some stars and yet like those guys come from that world. Right. The indie world. So I feel like they're kind of bridging that gap, you know? So, and, and hopefully, you know, that's creating a space for more, you know, types of movies like that. I, I don't know. But I, I, think, I, don't, I really don't know what the future holds. I, I do, I, you know, I, I think, I, I do agree with the fact of the matter that I see TV getting so much better compared to, like, say, 10 years ago where it was just nothing but reality TV. And now they're right. all, you know, you have great actors who can't get good scripts in big Hollywood movies because... To my my opinion, is the fact that a lot of the movies there's everything's exploding. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. And so I such mean, big budget I stuff. Try, yeah, they can't. They so, can't. They have to have big actors because they can't. Or I don't know how I, that works. I mean, spending I, I, so much on the explosions. Yeah, I mean, I like things that explode, but I like variety too. So because yeah. you know there was you know growing up in the '90s you had options and also the option yeah. the, the option was also independent movies sure. that started to come yeah. out more and more totally you know totally. starting with like Pulp Fiction and then on and yeah. you know I had options compared to now I can't remember the last time I went to the movies no I, I don't either because there it's well I don't want to number one I don't want to spend fifteen dollars on some garbage right right and uh, number two I'm, I'm right with you I mean that's exactly <laughs> my my thing you know if something new and exciting comes out I want to see uh, a good time like I mentioned then yeah I go to the theater but the, when did I go to the theater before that it was definitely to see like an old like you know an older movie that's yeah being replayed I mean I live in New York like there's some great repertory theaters so I would see that but I agree it's like that is part of the state of what it is and so then you kind of go to TV to kind of get back to some of that drama or comedy the kind of the stuff that you used to be able to find in the 90s like you talk about i mean we're the same generation yeah. and that's where you find it but then it's complicated too because like yeah tv's a different form mm -hmm. you know there's just so much content now too it's oh like, it's insane it almost it almost sometimes i'm just like you know what i'm just not even gonna turn on the tv i'm just gonna listen to a record you know it's, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't know i mean that is a solution for me at the moment you know that i end up kind of finding myself in because it's just like there's so much to to deal with and you know even donald itself you know it's like i'm really proud of the movie but it's like it too is up against the fact that like there is you know it's so much easier to make a movie now but that means that it's so much easier for everyone to make a movie there's right, so right. much stuff out there you have to just like kick through all of this noise to get to get to the stuff i mean history will do it i think you know people are going to be picking out the stuff that's meaningful and influential and all that it always happens but yeah you know it is it's well, no one has to sift now because they just need to download or watch. Donald cried. We've been talking to Jesse Wakeman, the story. He was the writer, the lead. He was Peter Letang in the movie and yep. also a producer. Are there any other things you want to leave us with? Uh, because this was an amazing, I think we pretty much covered yeah. the whole gamut. You're awesome. Thank you so much yeah, for no, calling no, no. in. I know. I just really, really appreciate you guys uh, having me on. And yeah, please. 
please go check out the movie. You know, ho- hope you enjoyed. It's a little uncomfortable, but that's part of the fun. We want people to be uncomfortable. You yeah. have to get there. You have to get there. It's a human. It's part of the movie. It's a human experience. Absolutely. Well, good luck with your upcoming baby and uh, the rest of your home visit in Boonville. It was a pleasure we'll to speak to you. We'll be looking out more for your stuff and to come out. Absolutely. Uh, oh, good, good, good. Please do. Thank you both so much. It was great talking to you guys. You're badass. You. Thanks again. Bye. Thank you. Okay. All right. Yay. Bye-bye. Bye. Woo-hoo. Yay. We're such good interviewers. Just Yay. We did it. We did it. I was so nervous, you guys. <laughs> I, I was so nervous <laughs> because I was like, it's really that bad. You're like the famous person. You're like the most famous person I've ever talked to. <laughs> I, I love how you were going through like different scenes, and I, I was just I'm just be quiet, just watching. I, if there were cameras in here, you would you guys would have been laughing because yeah. she yeah. It, but it was good, and thank you again. For thank calling you again, Jesse Wakeman. Thanks again, yeah. Wakeman sisters. Um, Katie Shewelds Wakeman is an amazing uh, welder, and she makes beautiful custom metal doors for your house. She just made one for Muttville, I believe. She's super, super talented and um, go out there and check her out if you need any metal work done. She's your girl. Yeah. That, that was, was Jesse Wakeman. That was, that was awesome. That was we, while that interview was going on, there was something strange going on in the studio. Yeah, yeah. And he finally left. Did he really? We, yeah. Our visitor, our, our drug policy alliance moment. We are not a safe injection site here at no. Mutiny Radio. Please do not use our bathroom Please for drugs. Bathroom. Please don't do it while we're on the air so that we can't be like hey I'm, why are you in there for 22 minutes? Yeah, I don't want to knock on the door while we're doing something. Yeah, That's personal time, but not up in not here. Not up in here. Not up in here. Oh, that was so interesting. Yeah. I didn't want to get into my sausage party thing because <laughs> like everyone that. knows that it costs $19 million to make that pile of dog shit <laughs> And just so you guys know that Donald cried only cost 50 grand. So that means that, so $19 million for a pile of shit. They could have given Jesse Wakeman a million. They could right now, they could give him a million dollars. And, and a make school. An, an amazing, and a school. There could be a film school created and there could be wonderful films that come out of it. Instead of stupid dog shit pro- movies like Sausage Party. But this is the problem that we were slightly about to Hinting we're touching at, on. Yeah. yeah, with too much money. Being in, I mean, yes, money's. I mean, I think the thing is, it's not about the script anymore when it comes to movies. It's about the budget and the explosion and all these. Or know, the or the cameos that the cameos that you know. The thing is, stupid course, Sandy Wexler movie by Adam Sandler. What another yeah, pile of dog shit that they that. gave. They gave him seven million dollars for seven films, and I love Adam Sandler. That was, but what that was a, garbage. The only good stuff were the cameos. Yeah. Everything was, else was like, oh look, Adam Sandler has a weird voice again. Oh my god. Wow. Yeah. yeah it, that was sad. Was it was sad. sad. But th- that cost a million dollars, too. So the thing that just makes me upset is that when you have really talented people like Jesse Wakeman out there making movies and they're scraping together budgets and then we throw money at, at dog shit. Yeah. Well, I think the the audience, you know, when it comes to like movies that you're going at the Cineplex to, you don't get these options. Right. The only option that you get is Michael Boom Boom Bay explosion. Pow, right, pow, right, pow. Right, right, and right. sausage party. Uh, right, right. <laughs> which is just like... To me, and yeah, I'm going to be this dickhead that says only idiots go see that bullshit. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to be I, I'm going to be that snob because sometimes going to the movies is about like, yes, you want something to take your mind away from reality, but also it's nice to see your reality a little bit on screen. Sure. And that's why I like this movie. That's why I've seen it twice within like this month's time because yeah. it was just like, wow, I can identify with that. 
but seeing someone else play your part as identifying with that yeah. you know and the more you watch it the funnier Donald gets yes. like his lines are almost memorizable it's almost like a movie that would it's going to gain a cult following oh, because totally. there's so many ridiculous <laughs> things that happen he says such crazy things my favorite part was when uh, Jesse's character is making out and oh, Donald yeah. there is staring, there, standing staring there at the thing and watching. staring at them uh, and it's so creepy she's like there's a guy watch there's Spoiler a guy alert. at the door Spoiler alert. watching us. Yeah. You guys, listen, if you have Netflix, you pay $9.99 a month, you get to watch this. Yeah, please watch it. it. It's really watch good. It, it it's really, really good. is. There's a lot of things on Netflix that are, you know, thank God for Netflix Oh, shit. my God. It's shaping, it's, it's shaping all of our lives and our futures. Uh, I, and it's interesting because their algorithms are different for different places you live and different things that you download and different states and all kinds of stuff. I have no idea how it works, but algorithms... So uh, switching switching um, gears a little bit to the political, uh, my dad sent me some really offensive stuff oh. this week. I thought that we could break oh it down. Lordy. Papa Benjamin. Papa Benjamin sent me, and he sends is that forward. Streisand? There is. There's a picture of Barbara Streisand, and it says oh. under it, "I want open borders, but spent years fighting to keep Americans off the public beach in front of my home." Well. It, it, Okay. All right. Okay, here's another one. There's a sign that says Mexico, and it says, Mexico had a larger impact on our election than Russia, but no one is talking about the illegal aliens that voted. I don't think any illegal aliens voted. Um, didn't your dad vote for Hillary? I do believe my dad voted for Hillary. He just forwards these things to me to, to get a rise he, out he of me. He likes to poke the bear. Now, this is a picture of um, one of our soldiers oh, looking very forlorn, and it says, welfare should be as hard to get as veteran benefits. Okay, the sad thing about veteran benefits, they've been cutting them. I know, and that's terrible. So, These people fought for us. And yeah. not that I agree with what we're fighting for, but they, they still fought. I mean, they sacrifice their lives, and it's not cool. And they come back home, and some of them are mentally disturbed or uh, don't have any arms or legs. I mean, the VA, the VA hospitals, we are, like, taking funding away from them. That's terrible. You know, so actually that means it doesn't make sense. PTSD is real. Yes. This is another one. It's just a meme. It just says, hilarious is when a bunch of people sucking off the government's handouts demand to see anyone's tax returns. What is this handout bullshit? I know, I know. It's because if my if my dad knew about, he doesn't listen to this show, thank God, because I'm a socialist, but if he knew about the food stamps, about the artist stipend that I receive so that I could run this radio station. Here's the thing, everybody. Uh, yeah, I get paid to run the radio station, but I get a little bit less than what my rent is. So it means I need to hustle every month just to pay my rent. But you still pay your taxes, correct? Well, yeah, absolutely. Okay, there we go. But the thing is, Shut I don't have to up. I don't have to pay my taxes because I make so little money. Yeah, but I make so little money that at the end of the year when I do my schedule C, they I don't have to send them any money because I there's no There's no well, what there's I'm no money to send. You, you well, obviously you're doing your taxes, but when you purchase things you are I pay tax. for your taxes. You're right. I pay you know, taxes. So, yeah, that's when I have to tell people to shut the fuck up about that stuff. Yeah. It makes no sense. Uh, here's a picture of uh, Dean Stockwell with his head in his hand, and it says, uh, just one more thing. If you rob a bank in a sanctuary city, is it illegal or is it just an undocumented withdrawal? That's ignorant as fuck. I know. My dad is just so silly. He's just he, pressing forward. He just don't, why don't he like brown people? And this is terrible, too. There's a bunch of people that are up here, and it says, This was not a presidential administration. It was a crime spree. 
come on. Obama crime. No, come on. And Michelle Obama's looking all very tough. What did Michelle Obama ever do to you, Republicans, except be a rad person and keep your children safe? She's a strong woman. A strong black woman keeping your kids safe, keeping the salt out of their mouths and the fat out of their free lunches. Making sure boys don't get titties by the time they're five. Well, yeah, they, we, sh- we need to, exactly, I love, no one can ever say a bad word about Michelle Obama without me be- getting down on a fist fight. I love Michelle. <laughs> love I Michelle Obama. Di- I, I don't see how, how can you, you can. not say anything negative? But a lot of people, I think it's what we just said. This is, this is one that I think is, it goes for both sides, but he wrote it as, not all Americans are dumb, it's just that the very, the dumb ones are so very, very loud. Uh, and that sure. you could say it's not. Ooh, there's a Rodney that, that works. One. Here's a Rodney Dangerfield picture, and it says, What's the difference between an illegal immigrant and E.T.? Oh. E.T. learned to speak English and wanted to go home. But these are the things. Okay. This oh is my what my dad God. sends me to try to, like, get a rile out of me, right? Okay. A rise. Okay. And where do your parents live again? They live in Arizona. Arizona. And what was Arizona? Mexico. Mexico. That's true. But they like to drive. They each they each have their own golf cart because um, they like to go different places in the retirement community. So they needed two golf carts. So they have like two cars and two golf carts. So technically they have four vehicles. This is actually pretty funny. It says two types of shoppers, and there's a there's a picture of a person in the frozen aisle, and there's just chips and Ritz crackers, and it's just overflowing. There's there's like sun kissed themes, like you know, bleh, corn pops, and then the other one, there's just a little basket, and it says no job, job. Just explaining memes to you guys on the radio. What a terrible radio person I am. <laughs> Let's explain my dad's offensive memes to everyone on the radio. There's a picture of Rodney Dangerfield. Here's a picture of Rodney. Visualize this, it. This one is uh, a Bernie Sanders uh, it, uh, tweet. And it says, cutting carbon pollution emissions by just 32% by 2030 would prevent up to 3,600 premature deaths each year. And it got 10,000 likes or whatever. And then the person underneath says, cutting abortions in the U.S. by 32% would save over 200,000 premature deaths each year. You jerks. What they mean by premature deaths is people that were not supposed, that were born, that weren't supposed to die. Whereas, okay, this brings me to a thing. There was another movie I saw on the Netflix what happened to Monday? Have you seen what happened I to Monday yet? That, no. It's really good. It's a dystopian future where because of our genetic engineering and modifying of foods, in the future we have multiple siblings. So instead of having a baby, you have seven babies. So what they decided to do is that if you had seven babies, they put six into cryogenic time freeze, which we find out later what that is. Um, but you weren't allowed to have siblings. But the one thing they never addressed is that in utero, just aborting six of the seven. They never address that. And Glenn Close is in the movie and it's very good and everything, but it's a very interesting, it's one of those movies like Okja, where they're trying to sort of, Netflix is getting at these sort of issues that we're dealing with and they're doing them in an artistic and futuristic way uh, in this dystopian future and having, and but it's, they don't mention abortion, yet they sort of murder babies once they're alive, which is, I mean, it makes you. It, it's one of those. It's one of those movies that makes you think. Uh, here's another one. I I hate these. I support helping the needy. I oppose funding the lazy. You big jerks. I as a comedian and as a radio personality probably work 80 hours a week. 
if you counted up all my stage time and all the time here. Now, that is me trying to live my art in my future. It doesn't really make any money. What you're saying, it, you, I'm not, just because I don't have monetary, just because you don't value my art monetarily doesn't mean I'm lazy. It means I choose to spend my time with my art that you choose not to fund. I'm just, I, I just, I, I, I hate this shit so much. I know, it I doesn't too. make. I mean, it really doesn't make this us versus them bullshit. Right, 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 and, the, right. and the people that come out with these stupid ass memes and think this have never had to struggle. Have right, have right, probably right, have never right. been middle class and right. had the rug swept from under them because mm. their job um, got shipped away or, or because, they got laid off or because they got sold a loan that they couldn't yes. afford and then all of a sudden they lost their job and now they have an exorbitant home loan that or, they can't pay back and then all health, that is gone. Health insurance could sure, be another sure, factor. Someone sure. could have been sick right. and they can't afford they can't afford the eighty thousand dollars, which would only be that's was only twenty percent of cancer. Is it's like because it, you're if you're your insurance only covers 80%. You still have to pay that 20%. And if you're dealing with something like cancer, it's going to be $80,000 because yeah. the bills are so crazy. People put up their houses they up because have, so they have to put... They second mortgage. Yeah. And if you don't have a house, what do you do? What do you... Bankruptcy to save a, to save a family member because... There are more, there are less lazy people than there are. There are more needy people now, especially after mm. 2008, mm -hmm. because we still are feeling the aftermath of the housing market crisis yeah. and the financial sure collapse of 2008. Mm. So people need to ugh, read. No, read. read. I know, read. So ang aggravating. Uh, here's another one. Arizona State University oh. professor lets students organize an anti-Trump rally instead of taking a final exam. Good for him. And there's three girls saying he's not my president he's not my president oh i like that meme because they learned that's called civics right exactly exactly <laughs> that's education yeah <laughs> this is a cute this is a cute picture there's a child being scanned by a gun thing at an airport and it says if security is this important at airports shouldn't it be at our important at our borders too you jerks do they feel the same way about canada right no one's talked about Canada. No one's talked about Canada. Yeah. This is very, this is, it, here's one. There's a, uh, a man who's looks, he's Latino descent and he says, not my president. And there's a picture of Donald Trump's smug face with it. We all know this is not our citizen. By the way, you big jerk face. Just because they're Latino doesn't mean that they're not an American citizen. How dare you? Oh, all brown people have to show papers now. Is that right? We got to yeah. show, show your papers, brown pa people. You know, what if you were, what if you're white and you're Swiss and you've been, um, you've been in this this country illegally. Or Canadian. Canadian. Yeah. <laughs> I know some illegal Canadians that have been here for I, years. Yeah. Uh, Irish. I know some of those people who have snuck in through Canada and came here, but yeah. But, but yeah, that's blatant racism. Yeah, I don't know. That one doesn't even make any sense. Uh, this is, that one doesn't make any sense either. Wait, that picture said, going back to Trump, not our citizen. Is his wife a citizen? Uh, well, he, he they met married, so I guess you get a green card with that. Get a green card. Get the green card. Mm. Uh, if you live in a country where you can be arrested for fishing without a license but not for entering that country illegally it's safe to say that country is run by idiots i don't i don't understand some of their okay, memes some of the, these some of the um, most of these memes are very uneducational right <laughs> wow uh very dumb 
and this is this is a pro-war one. What keeps you awake at night? Matt Battis' answer, nothing. I keep other people awake at night because you're bombing them, because you're murdering. This was an interesting thing I saw recently that um, we've lost about 6,000 troops in the uh, Iraqi Afghanistan maneuvers, and they've lost over a million civilians at this point. A million Iraqi civilians have died. And we sit here and go, only six. I watched some this terrible video of of live first person people in Iraq just blowing people up. Just it's really sad. Uh, let's see. My aunt. This is a white thing. Here's a here's a racist thing. My ancestors. One, they came legally. Two, didn't cost the federal government a dime. Three, didn't require the country to adjust to them. Four, didn't burn the American flag. They were not the same as today. And what? it's about white people. Oh, yeah. Now that is but a bull-faced lie. But, but the white people came across legally, but then they brought slaves, which I guess it was they legal at not, the time, too. They did not come here legally. No, they didn't. They did yeah. not come here. Oh, my a God. A lot of people were sent here as a punishment. Dude, first women, of all- women were sent here actually in the first years to try to repop- overpopulate. It's the same thing with um, with Australia. They sent women, they sent prostitutes out of the jails. They sent them to Australia to go get raped by prisoners down there. Okay, that means that's the most disturbing, fucked up lie. That is that such they, a lie. Yeah, my answer, my, my an- white ancestors they did not came come legally. Here, they did not come here legally. Y'all white folks are. Mm, Lordy Jesus, don't let me preach. I, I know this is it. This is what I have to d- deal with. Oh, this someone has a, a socialism sucks poster that makes me sad. Um. It's, so this one says, a liberal is someone who wants you to think like them. And there's some black guys saying like, black lives matter, yay. And a conservative is, is just someone who wants you to think. And it says socialism sucks. Wait, wait. <laughs> That's kind of ass backwards. Right, I know. I just don't. It's just. it. I, okay, we got to just stop. We just got to stop. He, he had way too much time on his head. Go play some more golf. Go play some more golf, Dad. Yeah, stop passing the, these things yeah, wrong. Go read the Wall Street Journal. Does he probably read the Wall Street Journal? No, no, no. He, I think he reads a newspaper, but not because he used to work for a newspaper. So he really likes to, the actual newspaper instead of like well, that's, things yeah, on. The Wall Street Journal. I, I don't think he's a New York Times fan. This is this one I actually think is funny. It, it, it says CNN News, but we could change it to Fox. We could change it to anything, and it's a little cute thing. And it says we'll be back with some more news as soon as we make some up. I, I agree with that one. I mean, call it CNN, call it NBC, call it Fox, call it whatever you want. I believe they make up news. I mean... I don't think CNN as much. I I, I don't think CNN as much compared to Fox. Yeah. Fox, Fox is faux news. Well, yeah, I yeah. didn't I didn't know about fake news, but boy, do I know about fake news now. Dude, oh, my gosh. Oh, oh, fake news has always been around there. But, the, you know, here's the thing. This um, administration keeps on putting out more and more fake news so the irony of that mm. oh by the way did you know uh did you hear his speech yesterday no i can't pay attention to that piece of human dog shit yeah we might be going to a war with north korea and you know what he calls uh kim john il Mm -hmm. or ung uh rocket man oh yeah rocket man yeah yeah exactly our, our, this is his version of name. Okay, calling. so here's 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 some here's yeah. some Pam Benjamin news. I'm going to show um, Latoya here on the world map. Yay! Um, 
Now, if you look at a lovely world map, and uh, please let us remember that just recently, um, again, uh, there was a 7.2 earthquake in Mexico City. So there was... Okay, so the North Korea detonated some bombs underground because they were testing. A week later, there was an 8.4, a Richter scale earthquake in, in, in Mexico. Mexico City. Then last week, again, they tested more underground. And yesterday, lo and, well, lo and behold, 7.2 earthquake. That one's Mexico City. 25 miles or 75 miles away from Mexico City. The first one was about 400 miles out. The second one was about 75 miles out. A lot of buildings fell down. Uh, over 100 people are dead. But let's look at a map. Let's look at North Korea. Oh, it's got to be a better map than this. I need to see the parallels. Oh, by the way, the earth is still round. Right. That's from we last learned, week. Right, from last <laughs> week that the world is still round. Let me look for a big world map. If we look at where none of these are clear. I just want to show you where on the world map. Google, give us a map. Yeah, Google, give us so, a map Google that has all the things on it. So I can show you, because they're on the same parallel, basically. If you look at... Uh, if you look at where North Korea is here, well, well, you guys and see. where they swing around, uh, they're on... They're on a similar parallel. So my whole thing is that if you test underground and then you have on the opposite side of the earth catastrophic events right after, are, are we saying that those two things are not connected at all? Like that testing underground doesn't shake, shake somehow the earth's crust and the make core. it all... I just I see connections and people think I'm in, people think I'm a nut job. I don't I, I don't know. I mean it, it is it is a question that I, I think some scientists should probably find out seriously. Right, they should also I be mean, looking into those T Rex I mean, bones. We know, we know that <laughs> we know that <laughs> God we know that fracking causes earthquakes. Right. So I mean the fact of the matter is that that could be quite possible. I don't think that's crazy. I don't think that's a crazy idea at all. Thank you. They they they've been testing quite often. Yeah, they've been they've yeah. certainly they certainly are enjoying their testing and telling people about their testing and telling people that we're gonna die. <laughs> but it's just it's another it's another large scale scare that just like the Cold War to say oh Russia's the enemy Russia's the enemy. But now we know that a lot of that was fake. We were faking silos. They were faking silos. Did we go to the moon? Where was the moon race all about? Like it's. Like, how much do we sh have to show our big American dick so that people are like, okay, we were, we're scared of you. We won't mess with you. The thing that I just can't get over is that why do we hate North... Why do North Koreans hate us and why do we hate North Koreans? Why can't we just start fighting the aliens? Or how about this? The real enemy, climate change. We're all going to die. We're all on this planet that the polar ice caps are melting. There are huge problems happening. Well, right now, Puerto Rico's getting impounded by Hurricane Maria. Hurricanes are nuts. Things are happening. And yet, we sit here and go, let's go to war with North Korea because we can make a lot of money by there bolstering our military-industrial yeah, complex on a different side there of the world go. because we have to be afraid. Mm -hmm. I mean... Yep, that's... Yeah, that's that's why the, all that military... The fear, money, fear, fear. Think, I think it's like seven, 700 billion dollars like they want to basically they want that money to go to more military spending and now they're um, the congress has uh, tried they've written this horrible horrible repeal for obamacare Ugh. that they're tr supposed to uh be voting on uh sometime this week and the fact of the matter 
Obamacare versus all this military spending, it doesn't make sense to me where all this money could go toward healthcare, but, but there's too much money in contracts with, you know, with military and, you know, spending money on this shit. Yeah. You know, war is, war is war profitable. Is profitable. But that was the whole... Okay, so here's the new... I hate to keep bringing it back to 9-11 because I... Uh, but I will. <laughs> it actually doesn't necessarily have to... It has to do with 9-11, but it's even, more, it's even previous to that. In 1962, there were papers that have now been unclassified. They've been declassified. They're now open to the public. And in 1962, the Secretary of Defense wrote uh, papers and letters saying, what we need to do is create... CIA get CIA operatives in there to create a disturbance so that we can fuck around with Cuba. We need to create a problem. And JFK said, we're not going to lie to the American people and create something to go to war. And guess what happened to him? He's dead. <laughs> right? So they ask JFK, they say, they say, hey, JFK, we got this great way to make money for the military industrial complex because we really should get into Cuba. Because if we get into Cuba, then we really get to get into Russia. We should really do this. This will be great. We should fight communism in this way. But the thing is, nothing's wrong with the communists yet because, you know, Castro's kind of a good guy. He's really taking care of his people. He's feeding them. They like him. They have health care. people like him. They like the health care. They're, they're like, all right. But if, to, get, to get in there, what we really need to do is we need to send some underground operatives and we need to bomb some things and say, we need to bomb our own, our own, you know, people a little bit. We need to go on our base and we need to pretend that we're them and we need to mess around with some stuff. And JFK said, no way. And now he's dead. So right after too. But that's the same thing. And Cuban Missile Crisis. Cuban, they were, they, uh, Bay of Pigs. Bay of Pigs. Um, plus uh, the Russians and the Cubans made a deal. So Because they're scary. Be afraid of the Russians and the Cubans. But so what happened, to, you know, with, with 2001 is that the same thing happened. They created some crazy plot that the government created that happened. And then it was just controlled detonation because it would be more expensive to re-retrofit and take all the asbestos out of those things and then we'd have to destroy building seven because it had all the i don't know evidence <laughs> and and of some also some insider trading stuff too let's just blow all that up because it makes it easier because people's lives are worth less than money to our government money is more let me rephrase that better money is more important than people Absolutely. And we used to think, well, you know, money's more important than Bangladeshi people. And <laughs> sure, you know, we can pay them a dollar a day to make our clothes because we really want our clothes. We want our new fashion. So it's fine. So money is worth more than Bangladeshi people, okay? <laughs> or Indian people or Chinese people. Because, you know, like, oh, they're making our iPhones for really, really cheap. It, it's fine because they're not people. They don't deserve, like, money or whatever, or equality. Because <laughs> they're not people. They're just Chinese people. But... Money is worth more than American people. And it doesn't even matter. It used to be like, because we've got this entitlement, well, we're better than everybody else, so blah, blah, blah. But our government doesn't give a fuck about anything except money. Of course. I mean, just going back to the healthcare debate, you know, the, all the, the majority of countries have healthcare. And for some reason, we can't get healthcare. We can't get any, no. because they weather profit off death. Right. And illness, and mm -hmm. it's it's just it's so. They get up. us on both sides. They say consume, 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 consume things that are not healthy, and overconsume them. And then once you've done that and you're sick, we're gonna make you overconsume 
dr- drugs to help you be well instead of having you overconsume free things like healthy air and water and running or you know calorie burning in some special way they want us to sit on the TV all the time and watch vapidly and eat bonbons that makes a good American they don't, they don't want you to have an education that's why they don't put a lot of money into education anymore because they're trying to dumb it down for people and dumbing it down means well I'm sorry the more ignorant you are the sicker you get and it's yeah. kind of, it's, I mean, it's kind of true I mean, if you don't know about something because of your education, and it's not even about just, you know, going to college or anything like that. I'm just talking about a basic, decent public school education with books that aren't from like 20 years ago. (laughs) You know, I mean, you're dumbing people down. So dumbing people down makes people sick because they don't know how to prevent certain things because of that. They don't even know what an eggplant is. Yeah. Uh, Jamie Oliver went into kids. It's a really cute. In West Virginia. Yeah. Yeah. And he held up vegetables and they had no idea what they were. They didn't know. He's like, what's this? And they're like, they didn't know what a cucumber was or a zucchini or the difference between a cucumber and a zucchini. They didn't know. I mean, they knew like apple, orange, but they didn't know what a pear was. Banana. They knew. They didn't know what a pear was. What the fuck? I know. Didn't they knew carrot? They didn't know like green pepper. I mean, he's putting up vegetables, and the kids are like, and then he puts up. Then they're chicken nugget, chicken nugget. Uh, What's this? Pizza, pizza, pizza. Yeah. What's this? McDonald's. Oh my god, McDonald's. I love McDonald's. Like they could identify. Kentucky Pringles. Fried they, yeah, they could identify Pringles and Kentucky Fried Chicken, and they could identify different, all of that. Let's go into the lack of education. But then you hold up, you know, a kumquat or a or a kiwi fruit, and they're like, "What the? Yes, don't fuck is that? Yeah, I mean something. I mean, I mean, kiwis a little out there. Fine. Yeah, kiwis are allowed. Kumquats are them difficult. Okay, kumquats <laughs> are difficult too. Yeah. Okay, but I love them. But yeah. the thing is, you know, they, those kids learn it from their parents because their parents didn't know, and it's so on and so on. Yeah. And it's just, yeah, the Jamie Oliver thing was really, really kind of Eye disturbing. Be, well, disturbing the fact that these kids didn't know that, and then he tried to change the cuisine, uh, the school lunch. I believe that was the same one where he tried to change the school lunch right, right, right. what they were eating, yeah. and the kids hated it. Well, because, okay, this is the thing about children, and we give our children too much choice, and and with all of those choices, I think comes a sense of entitlement that we really should cull out of our children. But you just give you make them eat the food. If yeah. if there if you I'm gonna give you a choice between a candy bar and an apple. <laughs> they're gonna change. They're gonna. Every child is gonna choose the, the candy, candy but you don't give them the candy. You just give them the apple. Because kids can be dumb sometimes. Well, and it's <laughs> like, how about this? You go. We have freshly baked apple chips, or we have potato chips. Which would you like? They're gonna take the potato, potato chips. chips. But you know what you do? You just take away the potato chips and you give them the apple chips, and they're not gonna know the difference. Did you? Did you? Do you remember as young as when you were probably like five, six years old, when you were probably like in school and? You had no choice? There was no choice. I ate what's in front of me. You just had to eat it? I just ate it. Or be at the dinner table at home with your parents, where it's just like, well, I don't want this. Well, you're going to eat it. And if you don't eat it, then, you know, that's it. There's no other choices. It's not like, but now they're like, oh, little snowflake Timmy doesn't want to eat exactly what we're eating. So I'm going to make him a completely separate thing. I hate that. I hate hate that so much. I know babies 
that love green things. Why? Because their parents give them green things. It's very easy. You start when they're a baby. You don't give them sugar. You don't. You can't give them honey because it can make them sick until a certain time. But uh, don't give them fruit is sweet enough. Give the child fruit. Vegetables are delicious. You know what? Babies love vegetables if you feed them the vegetables and if they don't like it you keep trying till they like it you don't just go oh they really just you know but they love those mashed potatoes so i'm gonna give them this mashed potatoes you can't give your child only beige foods like that's not good well i'm gonna give them beige foods and then give them vitamins why not just eat foods with vitamins in them what well that's that's like a that's like a thing yeah it's like well i can get i can get it through supplements but that's how the government changed our minds in the early 19th century when they started having all of these weird cereals the cereal industry was one of the first industries that was created it's a completely superfluous industry you can eat whole grains you can eat breakfast you don't need a cereal at breakfast i mean it's nice to have a shelf stable alternative for time or whatever but really i it's not what do we what do we it's just Pro, produced produced it's fake food it's it ain't real yeah I, we got this new it was only a dollar 49 at gross out and grocery outlet which is amazing and it's so gross but we got it because we were like crazy it's thin it's girl scout it has the girl scout label on it girl scout thin mint cereal what? It's like cookie crisp size. Oh, God. No. It's like corn puffs that are cookie crisp size, but they're oh, no. they're black. They're the color of they're the color of um, chocolate, and they taste like mint. Oh, they're not terrible, but they I'm shaking my head right now. They got me with the Girl Scout thing. They were only a dollar forty nine, and there's a reason that they were at Gross Out because they're kind of gross. Like children did not want to eat mint chocolate for breakfast. It is the weirdest oh, thing to conceptualize. God, milk and right, uh, mint chocolate no. at breakfast. Yeah, they're that not. That is not a breakfast of they, champions. It's That's a, a stoner. It's a stoner late night snack. Really yeah, but stars. you know some little bastard is eating that because they're stupid ass oh, parents. It's, 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 it's like, really gross. oh, it's a dollar forty nine. They need something for school. Yeah, so they'll be hyped up for like the first period. Yeah. And well, then Jonathan crash. is a Jonathan is a twelve year old. So he so we're in grocery outlet and he's so excited because I had extra on my food stamps and I'm like you can get anything you want. And we're in the frozen aisle and this item isn't frozen, but it's one of those ices with the polar bear on the front, like the oh, old yeah, ices. No, uh, yeah. And he's grabs it and he's like. Oh, the, pol- the cherry polar blast. And I'm like, you're a child. And then right after he does it, we saw a child walk by, like an eight-year-old, and go, mommy, mommy, cherry polar blast. And I'm like... Look what you did, Jonathan. Look, look, yeah, I'm yeah. like, like you're a child. You, you know, love childhood. I, I I got it for him, though. I bought it for him. And then when he was eating it, he's like, it's not the man I remember when I was young. And I'm like, of course uh, it's disappointment. not. Of course it's not. You know, I used to love those ices too. I used to love, there was the uh, the raspberry blue, the blue ras one mm-hmm. I liked. And then I just remember one day, like I was probably like 12 or 13, I just started not liking it because it right. just tastes too much so like sugary sugar. and sugar. And once it, once it, I stopped liking them. I stopped liking them with one day. I didn't drink it all in time and there wasn't any ice left. And I grabbed the thing and I took a sip and it wasn't icy. It was just syrupy. And I was like, and I was never eating one of these again. Yeah. Never again. You know, it's, oh yeah, I can't, ooh. Can't do it All that, ooh, Lordy Jesus. It is. And it's not even real sugar. It's like corn Corn syrup. syrup. It's corn syrupy, syrupy corn. 
I mean, I'll still have a popsicle. I love to suck mm. on things. <laughs> um, well, I like but- paletas. I mean, my deal with those is that I like to get the, you know, the Mexican paletas. So you get like a coffee flavor. Or a, I mean, it's a lolly. It's, but it's like it's more milk based, and I don't know. It's like ice cream in a. It's like an ice cream bar. Yeah, I know. Sometimes they're fruity, you know, and they feel like they There's have real fruit. The coconut fruit in them. one, I think. Oh, the coconut the one's coconut so good. The coconut one's good, mm-hmm. I, but that's mm-hmm. the only one I usually eat. The coffee one is always really good, and the mango. I mean. Oh, the mango. But I, I don't know. Anything like big mass produced with just syrup is. It's, it's a whole industry. It's, a it's whole making. That's how they make industry. the money, man. That's how they that's, make the money. Yeah, like like you said, like we care more about money than human beings. It's it's I, terrible. I don't think a lot of people have gotten that memo yet, though. <laughs> no, no, they they haven't because they're still. Well, so this is another thing. It's it's just so funny, and I I wonder if there are like government spies trolling on Facebook. So last week I did like a very innocuous post about 9-11 on 9-11 and I had so many comments and so many people came out of the woodwork to oh, make yes. sure that I knew I was a cunt for saying anything against the party line about how exactly it happened with the planes. She didn't but say Amy, it never happened. I didn't say it never happened. I'm not a 9-1 denier. I just questioned the how and the why. But so Amy Bebo posted a similar thing and they all came out again. People don't like you questioning anything. I thought you were supposed to question authority. I thought we were supposed to question authority, but... Those people are dead. Not anymore. Well, I mean, that, that's why I call I call people now sheep, you know, because mm. they're just part of the flock. There's no individuality. People don't want... There's no um, common sense. Well, they say that... Critical thinking. The, the, the other side of the party says that the reason that we like our conspiracy theories is that it makes us feel better about ourselves to say they're sheeple and I'm not. And therefore, psychologically, we get some sort of boost out of... Because so I was reading a lot about debunking theories, conspiracy theories. Why do people believe in conspiracy theories? What's the psychology behind believing in conspiracy theories? How do people start believing false things? How do you make things that people think are false true? Cognitive dissonance, all of these kinds of things. And... One of the reasons they say that people like to believe in conspiracy theories is that it makes them feel better than other people, that they're somehow smarter because they know a secret that no one else knows. So then they say, well, they're they're believing in a secret that's not true because it makes them feel smarter to believe in something other people don't know, which is sheeple, which blah, blah, blah. But I'm saying, like, like what if it's real? Well... It doesn't make me feel smarter to know more about 9-11. It makes me sad that our government lies to us. And if they lied to us about that, what else are they lying to us about? What are the other things that they want us? They want us to be blind consumers. What else do they want us to be? You know, sheep. They want well. They want us to be the sheep. Absolutely. They want us to just to not to comply with everything, to question nothing, to buy as much as we can. Well, I, I feel like when we we, we uh, talked about this last week, like when you were show, showing the uh, the things about 9-11 and yeah. some of the things, and then it gave you that link to that stupid-ass conspiracy theory about the world. Oh, the right, Earth. the flat Earth. Yeah. yeah, flat Earth theory. Come on! Flat that Earth is, theory. Now you're just looking like an ass. Yeah. yeah like, seriously. It's, it's so purposeful, though, to try to link it all together and to say, 
oh, well, you believe in this? Well, you must believe in this. And it's like, no, well, I mean, no. Well, I mean, here's the thing, and here's a fact, but it was once known as a conspiracy theory because the Reagan administration didn't want you people to know of how crack cocaine was dropped into black and brown neighborhoods. Yeah, by our government. Yes. Right. And now there is proof, and there has been facts, but before that proof in fact it was known as a conspiracy theory sure and like this is that's just crazy why would why the would the government do that why would the reagan administration want to kill black and brown people you know well reagan was kind of a racist it's, isn't know. it fun when we start digging up the the systematic racism exists in our country and this is the thing that people go it well doesn't, it doesn't exist they say, yeah, they, say, theory. they say it's not it doesn't exist anymore we about you know we have it doesn't exist anymore because or it never did it never well it did but now we've had like civil rights and stuff and everybody's equal and we know that and that's great um but hello <laughs> the, the the past exists and the, the, it's the idea that well we shouldn't have um we shouldn't be doing what's it called when you let uh, affirmative act. We shouldn't be doing affirmative action anymore because because we've already done it. And it's like, okay, so people were oppressed for hundreds of years, and then now we pull it up in the '60s and say, hey, we're all equal. But you don't Sorry. think that past is still shackled to them? It's like, hey, you've been wearing. We started the race way back here. There's a, there's a starting line that we started as, you know, in the 1700s when we got here. And we said, ah, here, here's the starting line. We've been running ever since. And they're like, oh, 300 years later, everything's equal now. They're going to catch up. Right. And then they say, catch up. But and, when you've been running. Which is not equal. Which is not equal. When you've been running with weights for years and you can't, you have, you can't even start the race because you're chained up. Excuse you're me, not even chained, weird. Yeah. yeah, you're not even, you don't even, you, you could go, could go, you try to run past the starting line but you can't because you're chained up to the starting line. Oh, and plus you couldn't drink at the same water fountain or sit on the same seat on the bus. Exactly. So then when all that stuff is taken away or vote and we say the voting, all of it and they say, well, we're all equal now. Uh, the, so why people been running without shackles for 300 years and now we're saying oh there's no shackles on anybody well can What's I say car- incarceration we start the race we should have started the race over like that's the thing is we don't get to say hey we but we've been in the race for so long we're so good well they're and now they're poor people but, but it's like we did that we created the social situation that people live in. We created that, white people, and we continue to benefit from that system of oppression. And then we go, well, but it's equal now. And it's like, except we've been benefiting from the system of oppression. And they, well, all lives matter. It's like, Fuck but you that. haven't been systematically oppressed. Yeah. Your people haven't been, you know, they, they weren't targeted by the government with the mass incarceration, with the, with the failed war on drugs. And then we go, but we're equal. It's like, which, by the Open way... Open your eyes, everybody. Which, by the way, the drug war was to put shackles back on the feet. Mm-hmm. That's, I mean... Oh, did we did we make everyone equal? Wait, 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 wait. Let's turn pause. that back. Let's, yeah, let's, let's put the shackles back on. Let's put them back in jail. Yeah, exactly. That's how we can get them. Yeah, so they can work for free again. Because mm-hmm. it's the institutionalized slavery. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it actually is slavery. When you are incarcerated mm-hmm. in a federal prison, you are... You belong to the federal to the federal government. government. They they your master. They own you now. It is literal 
and then, slavery. And then when you get out, they still own you. you well, know you still why? Because you can't vote, because you can't make choices. You got to live in the same place. Um, and if you have a felony, good luck trying to find a job. Try to find a job. Yeah. Try to try to get into an, a public, a higher education. A you lot of places. Student, you can't get student loans. Can't get student loans. No FAFSAs for you because they already got you. And what if they get you when you're 19 and then now you're 27 and you're out of jail and everything's, you've been rehabilitated and you're like, I can't wait to go to school. Oh, sorry. We're not going to give you any money for school. Oh, but you were incarcerated for 10 years and didn't make any money and now owe the government money because you're supposed to pay them back for how they incarcerated you. By design. Set up. It's by design. It's totally by design. Because what, what we have to say here on the AltaCast is go read something. Yes, please. Please. Just go read something. Yeah. Like the, the memes that we were reading earlier that mm. you guys were listening to. I'm so sorry. Very uninformative and uneducational. Yeah. Go read something. Please. Read C- book. Civics. Whatever happened to civics do class? Do they even teach that? I don't know. I, I don't have think. No idea. I don't think they do really anymore because there's too many dumb motherfuckers out there. There's so many dumb <laughs> children. I'm not even just talking about the kids. Oh, no, they're adults now. That's the thing, is that we took out No Child Left Behind in 2001, and then we raised an entire... uh, But even their parents are dumbasses, too. Nobody likes to read anymore. No. Well, you know what? We're going to say that you get one pass not to read. That means if you're going to go to Netflix and watch Donald cry, go down, definitely download that. Imbibe that into your brain. Watch it. Criti- it's going to make you think critically about your own life because it's so good. You'll know someone, or you'll be that person that you can that identify person. with. Absolutely. And if you're if you're in our age group, if you're in your late 30s, early 40s, you're going to identify with not only the story and sort of the going home aspect, and almost like a it's like a it's like a high school reunion sort of, but just it's so awkward. It's kind of dark. It's dark and it's fun and it's it takes you on twists and turns. The acting is great. Uh, just enjoy that movie. Go download Donald Cried. Again, thank you, Jesse Wakeman, for calling in. Uh, he plays Peter Latang in that movie. Uh, he's also a writer and producer of it. And we wish him so much luck with all of his ideas and art in the future. And yeah, this has yeah. been the AltaCast. Yeah. We did it. We had a good one today. We had a good one today. despite spicy. Spicy and with the guy in the bathroom. We're going to have to check f- that out. I'm going to yeah. see what, what he put in the garbage oh or Lord. whatever. Oh, Lord. Well, thank you for joining us here on the AltaCast. Coming up next is Some Call Me Tim. I have comedian Drew Medecki on deck today. So we're going to get to that. Thanks again, everybody. You've been listening to Cope behind us, the Mex- Mexican, the Japanese, <laughs> the Japanese Bjork, everyone. <laughs> I, it's just because we talked about Hispanics so much today. They're not all Mexicans. Thank some you. of them are. Some of them are not. Some of them are El Salvadorian. Yeah, there we go. See, there we, we named two. We named two. <laughs> Have a great day, everybody. Bye. Bye. Ship. 
as we set sail for the seas of Mutiny Radio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. Mutiny Radio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-face McRat. <laughs> Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of Mutiny Radio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. Mutiny Radio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. <laughs> Do you need an awesome and underground space for an event? Look no further than MutinyRadio.fm. Our 30-seat flexible space can accommodate your acoustic band, birthday party, comedy show, dance party, karaoke super fun, theater event, fundraiser. If you think it, we can do it. You run the door in promotion, we run the sound, space, and podcast. Rentals available Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday from 8 to 10 at Mutiny Radio FM's performance space at 2781 21st Street in the Deep Mission at 21st in Florida. Contact Pam at pamsadai at hotmail.com for more options and booking dates. Incredible socialist prices so you can be creative in a free speech space without breaking the bank. That's Mutiny Radio Rentals every Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday from 8 to 10. Book your event now. Trying to hurt me, but boy, how it burns me whenever she touched me. And oh, I feel so lucky. Want to spend a summer Sunday laughing your cares away? Then come join the fun at San Francisco's Comedy Day. One stage, five hours, 40 comedians, a million laughs, and it's free. Besides our annual celebration of stand-up, did you know that Comedy Day offers workshops that teach Bay Area students how to use humor to resolve conflict? Comedy Day is so serious about ending bullying, it's banning all comedians from using the following phrases. Knee slapping, side splitting, break a leg, bust a gut, knock them dead. Those words hurt. But Comedy Day feels good. It's fun for the whole family. Did I mention it's free? Hey, comedy fans, don't miss the 37th Annual Comedy Day, the original longest-running free outdoor comedy concert in the world. The funny starts at noon on Sunday, September 17th at Sharon Meadow in Golden Gate Park, San Francisco. One stage, five hours, 40 comedians, a million laughs. It's free! 
Good evening there, my friends here at MutinyRadio.fm. Chester Cashcock here, and giving you my love and regard as well as movies over there. And uh, I just wanted to let you guys know that any time I go swimming in my vault of rare coins and piles and piles of filthy cash, I can't help but listen to Pamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. I mean, if anyone who knows anything about comedy knows that Pamtastic's books the best of San Francisco and Beyond's underground comics. It's a great showcase, and they have a fun time at Pamtastic's Deep in the Mission District, where you can laugh off your tushy for near five dollars every Friday to 10 p.m. And I laugh because five dollars, I mean, that's what I use to wipe my tushy with. So to laugh it off for a mere five dollars is indubitious. But if you can't make it to Mutiny Radio, well, don't even worry. Don't fret at all. You can simply download the podcast post-show and giggle in the comfort of anywhere. Like your Aspen summer home on the mountain ridge with the kayak feeling. So all you got to do is just go to podcastics.pcrcollective.org slash comedy clubhouse. Or you can listen live every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. as your host Pam Benjamin brings you the best comedy from San Francisco and beyond the universe. And what's better than the universe? It's a cash cock, honey. You mosey on down to Bender's Bar. Inside, you can find Counter Offer, offering you amazing late night food and snacks. Try the chicken biscuit. It's like your stomach's in a tasty tornado. They have exceptionally great daily ground sustainable burgers with sides of tater tots, grilled asparagus, and delicious zucchini. And creamy, delicious mac and cheese. You like tacos? They got them. And from the specials, very deep fried fish sandwich to a stoner burger with a donut bun. What are those crazy potheads going to come up with next? Go to the counter offer inside of Brenda's Bar at 800 South Van Ness Avenue, San Francisco. It's located between 19th Street and 20th Street in the Mission District. Open seven nights a week from 5 to 10 p.m. or later. Counter offer, son! Anything you try has already been done before, and there's nothing really you can do about it. So remember to avoid taking risks and to whisper into feathers together in the dark. It's the right thing to do, and viewers like you 